0: Scripture for this evening is taken out of the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God hath been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were Still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from the wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the Reconciliation. It's hard to grasp what God has done, what He is doing, and what He desires to do with our infinite mind. It's hard for us to grasp the seriousness of a life that we live, even in light of the word that's been given to us, that we fall so short of truly understanding this marvelous grace of God more richly than we deserve. You go back and you dwell on creation. You read down through verse 31 of Genesis 1 and God saw that everything that he had created was very good. And that included human beings. To see again what he has provided for us in a universe, what he's provided for us in the creation of the earth, what he's provided for us at that time in the Garden of Eden. And then to see how quickly man could depart from what God had given. How he could listen to another voice in spite of everything that he had seen and been a part of. And yet you still see as we looked at Genesis 3.15. In our fall, our transgression. God was providing a redeemer that would come for us to redeem us from our sins. And there's no way for us to even begin to either comprehend the, the glory and the beauty of heaven or the horror of hell. And yet God in his mercy protects us and guides us. How marvelous is his grace. It is greater than we deserve. You read on into Genesis 6. And again in God's creation. And all that was there. The thought of man was on evil continually. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. That's an interesting thought to reflect upon. Every thought of man was on evil continually. And thoughts lead to action. So every action was evil continually. Yet in the midst of that, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And God spared him. And it's just, then you go to Genesis 11. Man wanting to make a name for himself and build a tower into heaven. And God had to intervene on that, and you just gone down through history. But as you read history, which we would call the Old Testament, as you would read history, what we would call the New Testament, all you see is the grace and the mercy of God. Why not at any given time? Bring it to an end. And he did not. Despite man. You would think with all that man could see. Again contrary to Second Corinthians 5.7. That's what we like. Is it not? We like to walk by sight. Rather than by faith. But even when we're walking by sight. We're not believing. As we ought to believe. Israel of old. In Egypt, Israel of old in the wilderness. How many sights had they seen? Visually seen. How many things that were beyond human comprehension or capability to do? And yet, they did not believe. They had an unbelieving heart. You read Hebrews and you read again about those that were probably from a Jewish background who were being persecuted in the first century and were being tempted to go back under Judaism and the writer writes to them and says, Do not be like those you're wanting to go back under. Don't be like your forefathers. They saw, but they did not believe. And not believing... Their carcasses fell in the desert. Do not have an unbelieving heart. And depart away from the living God. And that's what the Old Testament shows us time and time again. You would think as you move into the New Testament. And you would think that as you would find God in the flesh. Dwelling in the midst of his people. That they would understand what they had in their presence, and they did not. He wasn't who they thought he would be. And so they had him killed. Even seen in being participants, of being the recipients of the grace and the mercy of God, they still did not believe. You read, as you read the New Testament, the letters to the various churches, you read the same scenario, if you will. This lack of faith, this lack of thanksgiving for the marvelous, marvelous grace of God that He has been patient, forbearing, long-suffering, tender-hearted, compassionate, And wanting us to have that privilege of an eternal home with him. Is it because we do not see with the physical eye what heaven is like? Do we not perceive with the physical mind what hell must be like? said many times that if hell was one-tenth as bad as the Bible describes it, would want no part of it. And to know that it's not one-tenth as bad, it's a thousand times worse than what the Bible describes. There's no way to accurately describe for us what hell is like or for us to understand what heaven is like. It just blows the mind just trying to perceive or to think about being in the actual presence of one whom you have never seen or mankind has not seen, to be in his house because of his grace, because of his love and his grace then providing a way of salvation for us. You begin to read Romans. And that's what you read throughout the book, is it not? Writing to show us, you know, Oh, there in verse 16 and Romans 1 I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of this gospel but this gospel has a demand on it that human wise we cannot do. But with the grace of God, we can. He would remind us as he starts in verse 18 of Romans 1 and goes through 32 of that chapter, specifically addressing the Gentiles and reminding them again and all of the history that they had and that they had up to that particular time. They had seen and known of the nature of God. They understood by what they could see and perceive that there was a creator that designed it and made it. And yet they would choose not to acknowledge him as God. They would choose not to retain God in their knowledge. And three times there in Romans 1, verse 24, 26, and 28, he would remind them, God gave them up. But again... His grace is still there, is it not? He is still there. His grace has still been shown. Even though they have abandoned him, he still made provisions. They would be the ones as well there that uh, in Romans 1, talking about those of old, but uh, referring to those of his day as well. that there is a gospel for the Jew and for the Gentile. There's one gospel. And that one gospel would take the Jew and it would take the Gentile and make of them one person and give them hope. And you can see humanity again in action as you go into chapters 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 as he begins to address the Jews and to remind them and all that you've had and all that you've seen, and all that you have a record of, you're no better off than the Gentiles. You've seen the hand of God. You've been the beneficiary of the hand of God. And you are no better off than the Gentiles because you will not trust God with your whole heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your strength to love him above all else. So the Jews were just as guilty as were the Gentiles. That's why as we get down in the chapter three and verse 23, particularly, he reminds us, listen, all has sinned. All of humanity has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And again, all of humanity has seen the marvelous works of God. And yet they still will walk their own way. They will commit sin, transgression. Again, as you go back to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, just read some of those sins that they had committed. And we live in a society today that wants to minimize every single one of those sins and to say that they're not really sins. A disease of the mind, a misunderstanding, whatever else that it is, it's a misapplication of that word. That word really doesn't mean what it says. And it's hard. Again, to, to believe to accept and to be the beneficiary of this marvelous grace of God. He shows us how he's brought, provided, he shows us how he's worked over us, and showed us how he's guided us, if we will, through this life. And yet, how many times do we fall short? We believe that we've been richly blessed here in this country, We believe that we have the blessing of God. We have a number of patriotic songs talking about that. We believe it in so many different ways that we are God's chosen people, God's blessed people, that what we have is because of God's rich blessings. If that be so, if that be so, why do we act the way that we do? And we as God's people believe that that grace and that mercy of God, that marvelous grace that is able to take our sins, wash them away, and remember them no more. And yet John will have to remind us in 1 John 1, 7 through 9, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. And the truth is not in us. Even what we have. And even what we've been the beneficiary of receiving is the forgiveness of sins. Excuse me, have them washed away and remembered by God no more. Read Hebrews 10, 17 and 18. Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more, says the Lord. And once there has been a sacrifice for sin, there is no more offering to be made. There is only one sacrifice for sin. That is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. No amount of regret, no amount of trying to make it up will suffice for that atonement of sin. That's what the Hebrew writer is saying. It's already been made. Your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more, says the Lord, that marvelous grace. And how many times do we sin? How many times do we fall short? If it wasn't for the blessing that we have from God through the Apostle John in 1 John 1, 7 through 9, where would we be? That if we confess our sins, what? God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. What a marvelous grace he's given to us. And how do we treat it? How do we respond in the life that we live? When we think about the blessing that he has given and provided for us. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Faith is a belief and a trust in God. Not seeing him, but believing that he is. Seeing his handiwork. And seeing His handiwork, of what He's given and provided for us, we've been justified by faith. We have been called just as if I've never sinned by the blood of Jesus Christ. That ought to change to life. But we live in this world. Again, it started in the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve being tempted so early and given into that temptation. Why is it so easy to believe Satan than it is to believe God? And I don't know about them then, I know about us now. We're already told the nature of Satan. We already know that he is a liar and a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. We know that he is deceptive. He seeks to destroy. He's like a roaring lion, prowling about it, seeing who he may devour. We know that. Why do we listen? We live in a world which is under his influence. And again, we get caught up in that. He has that way, of again, of, of Causing us or encouraging us to forget what the Bible says. Yes, I know the Bible says, "Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and of evil." But when I look at it and see, well, that tree is good to look at. Its fruit is to be desired, and it will make us wise as God. What's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that they forgot the first part of it. Do not eat. It doesn't matter how good it looks. It doesn't matter how it is to be desired. It does not matter what the consequence would be of eating that fruit. God simply says, do not eat. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and yea, forevermore. He has his plan. He has his word. He doesn't change. Why do we believe Satan? And again, we live in a world that shows that that is true. Everything that Satan promises through his lies, all we have to do is look up, lift up our eyes, look around and see that that's not so. It doesn't bring what they say it's going to bring. If you can just hit the lottery and rent all those big millions of bucks, you, you have it made in line. And then they find out that doesn't do it at all. One is, no matter how many millions of dollars you you win, Uncle Sam's already there. It's just not what it brings. Those who have won it, they've run histories on them down through time, and with five, seven years, those who have won multi-million dollars are broke again. You can win all the money in the world. You can earn all the money in the world. It doesn't matter. I haven't kept up with all the figures well, the latest ones today, so I don't know where it is. I know there's not billionaires anymore that they consider multi-billionaires and multi-multi-billionaires. But at one time when it was Howard Hughes who had the wealth and he died without a will, guess where all his money went? The lawyers got it. They're still fighting over it. You know, whatever it is, I'm just saying, what is you cannot take it with you? It does not bring what it says it does. Those who have the wealth have asked them, no matter where they are in the scheme of wealth, what would it take to make you happy? And the, same, the answer is always the same. They've got 10 or 20 or 100 billion dollars. The answer is the same. Just a little bit more. It's a false illusion. Do we not see it? Climb the ladder of success. What happens? Known individuals who have Pour their heart and their life into the company and believe that the company could not survive without them. And when they died early of a heart attack, guess what? The company survived without them. We live in a world that's an illusion. We're just passing through. Do we understand that? Do we understand we're just a pilgrim here and we're passing through? And one day, there is an end. And one day there is an eternal destiny. As I mentioned this morning, what you do today determines that eternal destiny. How you live today determines that eternal destiny. We've been justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You read the things that God had done when he wanted to deal out some punishment on people. Would not want to be under the wrath of God. And to think that you could have peace with God and choose, and choose not to have that. What are you? That's an option that is provided for you. To be at peace with God or to be under the wrath of God. And you choose to be under the wrath of God. Are you wise? Well, I can enjoy some things down here. Well, not really. They don't last long and they fade with time and thieves can break in and steal and so forth and they can rust away. And I would choose to forfeit peace with God. The only way I can have peace with God is to be in Christ and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me from my sins. Then I can have peace with God. And it's to Him that I answer I'd rather answer to God through the blood of Christ than without the blood of Christ. What choice do we make? And how is it reflected in the life that we live? And we forget again what God provides and what God does for us. Back in Romans 5 again. In verse 10, if when we were enemies when we were hostile towards God, when we were on the wrong side of what God would have us to be, when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. If God so loved you, that while you were an enemy of His, He gave his son to die for you. If he loved you that much, how much do you think he loves you now that you are his child? Do you think he he doesn't love you? Do you think he not cares what happens to you? Do you think he doesn't make provisions for you? Do you not believe he walks with you and sees you through this life? As we see trials and tribulations, that's how we view them. Do we see God's hand with us as we walk through that? How much more does He love you now? There's no way to describe that. There is no way to describe that. That marvelous grace that is beyond comprehension is there for us. And He waits. In patience, He waits. There comes a day when the waiting will be over. But until then, he waits. As the father waited for the prodigal son. When the prodigal son, when he finally came to, some translations have it, when he finally came to his right mind, came to his proper senses, says, I'm going home. Being at home with my, in the Father's house is much better than being out here in this world, because they don't care a thing about you in this world. So he goes home. How did the Father react when the son came home? The indication is that the, the Father saw the son coming down the road. He hadn't even got, He had not even. <clears throat> Got to the house yet. The Father already has seen him. Ran out to meet him. Embrace him. Kiss him. Rejoice that he's home. Made that glorious statement. My son who was lost is now found. My son who was dead is now alive. Let us rejoice. How do you think Father receives us? If we strayed or are straying. He's longing for us to come home. He's given us the light. He's shown us the way. Ours is to know he gave this in love. Know he gave it in love because he wants us to be with him. Will we make that decision? The world will begin to tempt us, to lead us astray. We're not where we ought to be as a child of God. We need to really bathe in that marvelous grace of God. And renew that kinship, that love, and that devotion to the Father. So that he again, in that final day, can say, welcome home. Come on in. You're my child. That decision is yours. Each day that we live, that decision is yours. His grace reaches me as it reached you, as it touched your life, as it changed your life. Does it continue to change your life? If you need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.